I like hearing what people are passionate about. Honestly, I find genuine, sincere passion to be a bit of a rare thing. And so whenever I see that glimmer, that unbridled enthusiasm, I listen. I don't care if it's about bowling or crocheting. I just like hearing where people are finding life. My guest today is Anglican vicar Chris Rogers. He's really passionate about his inner city London church. And he has some really helpful things for us on church and on keeping with our monthly theme, prayer. A couple things he said on prayer I'd never thought of before. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovari Weekly Podcast. So much of what we live is lived out for the Sunday, when actually Monday to Saturday is the main event. Yeah, yeah. Monday to Saturday is where we do it. Really, we put all of our eggs into the basket of church when church is meant to be the pit stop for the wrecked car race that's actually Monday to Saturday. And, and church is the pit stop, so we do life. Yeah. And we flip the whole thing around, so we leave people feeling like you come to church for your God thing, and then you go back to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, life's the God thing, and church is the pit stop. <laughs> we've, met, we've totally messed people up. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, what I like about not only do I think it's true, but it's actually quite helpful, and it's empowering. Because it says, like, I mean, church is helpful, and we need the community, and I need to hear your voice as a leader and all that stuff. But God is still present when I'm not in that room, you know? Yeah. We've got a sign above the, uh, I don't know what it's like in the U.S. In the U.K., legally, we have to have a sign above the door. And it's a picture of a little man with an arrow and an open door with a green background, and it's a fire exit sign. Okay. I, uh, this is the door that if there's a fire happening in the building that you exit through. Right. The quickest route out. So this sign that's above my door at church, we've uh, painted on a little uh, flame above the guy's head. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, we say to the congregation, what the f- you encounter the fire of God in here, but that door is the door that is the fire exit. Because whatever you catch here is actually to be lived out out there. It's not for in here. It's for out there. Mm-hmm. So we've got our fire exits, our pentacles. <laughs> uh, and the idea is to take the fire of God out into the neighborhood. And the neighborhood I live in, you won't know this, but we, we're 65% Muslim as a okay. neighborhood. Very Muslim neighborhood. Poorest postcode in uh, London. A really poor neighborhood. Uh, there's a... Uh, an indices for uh, poverty, and we're we're on the three percent. If you're below ten percent, you're a deprived neighbourhood. We're three percent. Okay. We're a very deprived neighbourhood. So our prayer is God. Everything that we find in here has to be for the purposes of the transformation of the neighbourhood that's as, uh, that we're seated in. Mm-hmm. It's not in here and out there. It's a we're seated in here. Mm-hmm. And whatever burns in here, it's for it's for there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. The other piece to it is that if people catch this, it's it, it kills the consumeristic mentality that I'm showing up to church to get something, yeah. and and I'm showing up right to listen, to be a part of something, to give, to serve, as opposed to like right. Let me go there for that hour once a week for you to give me the God stuff, right? Let yeah. me just receive. Um, yeah. 
It you changes. It's very hard to consume at our church. We make it so uncomfortable for consumers <laughs> because we, are, we would describe ourselves as a church on mission, not a church with a mission. Okay. So you can't turn up and say, what's this church's mission and vision strategy? Well, the vision is you. Yeah, yeah. And we, so we live in community. Me and my wife, there's nine of us that live in this house. And then we've got other homes across the neighborhood and we live in community, doing life with one another. And, and, and all of that is for the purposes of this neighborhood coming to know that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. So we have chosen to relocate our lives to this place because this is the place God's called us to, to be salt and light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's a different philosophy altogether mm-hmm. you, can't, you just can't turn up and consume because within weeks we're saying so what's your place within this mission right right you live in the house nine other people so it's your wife and kids so, yeah it's me uh, and my wife and two children mm-hmm. we have alex and phil who live in the basement uh alex heads up our youth work as a church and mm-hmm. she lives there then we've got um, a guy called, well, I shouldn't start naming them, but we've got three others that, <laughs> that, that live with us. Uh, what we aim to do is t- these two, uh, one of them will live here permanently. Okay. One of them will live here for a year. And this one will live here for a month or two. Okay. So this person is coming to encounter something of community and communal life in the hope that one day they may live it themselves. Yeah. This one is here to experience it for a year. And then say, do you, do you feel called into this long term? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, this guy lives permanently with us. So what we're trying to do is create a space where people can, some are doing it long term and some are encountering short term communal living for the purposes of, is this something called, that we're called to long term? Mm-hmm. So we do that as a family. So uh, our home is a, we, when we planted the church, we were looking for a place we could live in community for the purposes of mission and living missionally. Mm-hmm. And we're really lucky that, that the house that was attached to this church that was going to be sold uh, was big enough for us to invite a whole load of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed in the U.S. is there is these little pockets of people all around the country who are done with the isolation individualism that's just rampant in our culture and they're wanting some sort of communal life. Um, and I, I can, I mean, I can name people who they just like, they're visiting places, they're looking, they're trying to find something. Yeah. Um, would you have any, any advice or thoughts for people yeah. who are looking? I think what comes to mind very quickly there is that um, hell's strategy is isolation. Mm-hmm. Heaven's strategy is relationship. Uh, the first thing that gets broken in uh, the fall is relationship. Adam and Eve wear fig leaves, we're told. And the ice, you know, we want to isolate ourselves. So uh, hell's strategy is isolation and division. And played out, that becomes a life that's consumeristic. It's all about me and what I, what I get. And I think what's happening now is people are starting to Refined the old way mm-hmm. throughout see throughout scripture we see it throughout church history we see it throughout Jewish history where people would live together in community to encounter something of the reality of heaven on earth and as people live that together it's not, it's not always heaven on earth it's often 
difficult. <laughs> still broken. But as we do it, those around start to go, oh, I want that as well. So what we're seeing all over the place is this, uh, this revitalization of the monastic life or revitalization of the yeah. community life. So one of the things that we are encouraging people to do is if you are getting interested in this way of life and you don't have a few buddies that you say we're going to do this together, because many people can find a few friends who might say, let's live together. And I'd want to talk about a rule of life in that as well. But you know, you, first off, you find a bunch of mates who will together. We're going to do this mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. on purpose. If, you're not, if you don't find that, then actually you can reach out to, to others that will help you connect into that. So in the UK, we've got a movement called uh, the Eden Network. Okay. And Eden is a, specifically for those who are interested in communal life for the purposes of mission, particularly to reach the hardest to reach young people. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really keen to connect people together, to move into homes on, we call them housing estates. Uh, I think you sometimes call them projects. Okay. But, but the deprived neighborhoods, and they help place people together in deprived neighborhoods to live communally for the purposes of missional living for that neighborhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you find someone or a movement or a tribe or a, or a group who are looking at bringing people together for that agenda and that purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I would add into that, that there, there is something about the rule of life. The life lived purposefully to not just live together, because it's easy just to live together mm-hmm. but then to say we're going to live together for the purposes of mission so we're going to pray together we're going to eat together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so tuesdays and thursday mornings uh everyone in the house and a few others will join together to pray and worship together so this morning what well, uh, really fun this morning we were worshiping my ben who lives with us leads worship and he wasn't with us this morning so i had to lead worship and <laughs> oh my it was a disaster i've not played my guitar in a long time i'm leading this worship song and i pitched the wrong note and so it was it was it was the worst the Lord loved it, I'm sure. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else did, but uh. yeah, it was awful. it was just awkward worship. But we're gonna we're gonna eat together, we're gonna pray together, we're gonna worship together. There's a there's a group of girls, six girls who live together across the road from our church, and a couple of them come to my church, a couple of them go to another church, but they have committed to to live together, and two or three times a week they eat, they pray. And then they worship. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing there is they're trying to say, God, we want to call heaven to earth in this neighborhood. And we'll do that by eating, by praying, and by worshiping. And uh, there's something really special about that rhythm of life. One of the things we have as a church is a rhythm of prayer, where every day we have a liturgical prayer, we have a Bible reading, and a, and a, and a thing to pray for. And we encourage everyone to partake in this rhythm of prayer. And uh, I have it on my phone that I can uh, call it up under uh, iBooks. And on it, I, I scroll to the day. So this morning was all about renewal. Mm-hmm. And the scripture was from Isaiah 43. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Uh, and the prayer point was praying over our neighborhood that there'll be a renewal of 
faith and a renewal of vitality and passion of faith in our neighborhood. And then there's a liturgical prayer to pray at the end. So we encourage, uh, if you're living in community, definitely get hold of this, either printed or as a PDF or on your phone. So everybody's reading that each day. And, yeah, everybody do it. And we would say to church members, look, get this. And then you arrive at work, mm-hmm. load it up. So you know, when you read that passage, we're all reading the same passage. When we pray, we're all praying for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that liturgical prayer, we're all praying that together. So there's a sense of in the disparateness, we are still relational. Uh, whatever workplace you're in, we're relational and prayer causes. One of the things I love about prayer is prayer connects us with the saints that have been. It connects us with the saints that are, but it also connects us with the saints that will be. Mm -hmm. In the prayers that I'm praying somehow connect me with the saints that will be in 200 years time. (laughs) And I love this idea that actually we're the early church. You know, we Mm. talk about the early church Roe Williams says, well, what would happen if in, in 10,000 years, <laughs> eight to 10,000 years, look back at you and I, and they say, well, they were the early church. <laughs> but St. Paul was the early, early church. Yeah, yeah. And what will they say about our prayer life? That's good. And so I say to my friends and my family and my people, when, when they look back, I want them to say about us, boy, they were prayerful, but they were prayerful on the streets, they were prayerful in their neighborhood, they were prayerful uh, through the way that they served with their hands, they were prayerful because they wanted to see the transformation of their neighborhood. Yeah, I, I want them to say that, and I, and I love this idea that when we pray, we're connecting with the saints of 10,000 years time. Mm-hmm. The archbishop will pray in 10,000 years time if Christ hasn't returned, and my prayers connect with his prayers. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. You know, the, 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 uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, as I know you are. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Doctor Who talks about the timey-wimey-ness. <laughs> so, timey-wimey, your prayer's timey-wimey. I pray now, and it connects with the prayers of 2,000 years ago. It connects with the prayers of 10,000 years in the future. It all gathers into that prayer bowl in the heavenly realm. <laughs> That's timey-wimey. <laughs> That's where I love liturgical prayers that, uh, you know, or, or yeah. even praying the Psalms. Like, yeah. There's somebody in the past, and I guess we could say someone in the future, who's going to be huddled in a corner, crying desperately, yeah. working this prayer. And I yeah. get to kind of, I'm there too, right? I just think that's super cool. That idea is just super cool. That, and that also then leads me down a route to start saying, and I don't think I end up anywhere heretical, but I think I end up saying, hey, well, if that's the case, then I can start praying for them in the future. And I can start praying for the things that have yet to be seen, understood, birthed. But I can start praying in prophetically the reality of the future for them mm. now. I can start praying for that. I, you know, you don't need to wait. I don't need to wait for something to happen in 10,000 years before the saints start praying for it. I can start praying now for that. Mm. Uh, and, and that thing starts, well, well, my, well, my prayer life so often is about today and Thanksgiving for the past. A frustration for the past, and I pray for the day. How often is my prayer prophetic for the future? And maybe my prayer love just needs to shift so that because suddenly there's a bit more momentum in my mind about you know that that reinvigorates me a little bit. Yeah, because I'm you know, I I I'm really good at praying to myself. <laughs> Worry 
is praying to myself. You can't <laughs> answer my own prayer. Like the only one that we can pray to is him who, um, you know, Christ Jesus. He's the only one we can really pray to. Everything else is praying to ourselves and it's worry. Yeah, yeah. I, I worry a lot about the future. I worry a lot about my children. I worry a lot about what they'll have in the future and the planet that I'll leave behind and what we'll leave behind. So, hey, I can start praying now for that political reality. Mm. I can play for the politics mm. of 2090 now. Mm. That, that's, that's opening up endless possibilities of prayer. Oh, yeah, and you can go even further, right? You can pray for your church after you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The location. Oh, it's uh, timey-wimey, right? We're back to Doctor Who here. I love it. <laughs> we always get back to Doctor Who. <laughs> the community you're in, how many people are in it? Uh, as in the church, the widest church number. Mm-hmm. That's difficult because uh, we have a lot of fringe. We would say somewhere between 100 and 160. Okay. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe more nearer the hundred that are committed. Mm-hmm. See, we we were doing really well numerically until two years ago, when we did this ridiculously stupid thing, <laughs> and we sent some of them fifteen minutes down the road to a church that had three members. Yeah, and we said, "Hey, if you live just heading in that direction, go why ahead. not go with Benedict?" to this church and help revitalize that community. And that was the worst thing I could have ever done. Financially, (laughs) numerically, missionally. Suddenly we didn't have enough people to fulfill some of the mission that we'd committed to. Yeah. I sent my best small group leaders. I was, it was the most stupid thing I could ever have done. (laughs) But actually, if you now accumulate what they've got and what we've got, we're way bigger than what we were two years ago. Yeah. And between the two of us, we're financially, you know, there's more coming in than we were two years ago. It was just bad news for me. I, it was a silly idea. <laughs> Good for you, though. Sounds like a great move. It, it was a great kingdom move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what we've now seen two years later is uh, we have grown, but we've not grown with the same kind of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've grown with what is more indigenous community. Like I'm talking about the real East End, Cockney, <laughs> uh, deprived, but yet richly. They're, they're, they're financially, they're poor, but community-wise, they're rich. Mm. They're rooted so much in this neighborhood. That's how we've grown. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting. So financially, they don't give as much as they did, but we have more people giving to our church than we did two, th- two years ago, <laughs> which is really exciting, but really frustrating. <laughs> uh, but hey, we, we, we never plant churches for our own empire. Mm. God knows what he's well, up to. Well, we, we probably shouldn't plant churches for our own empire. <laughs> doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I think the interesting thing for us was we planted this church because we had three prophetic things join up okay i had one person approach me and say i uh, i was in denmark teaching at a conference and this person approached me at the end of the conference and said i feel like the lord is telling you chris to watch the buses 
okay. I then had a month later someone say to me, hey, Chris, I felt like the Lord said to us this morning when we were praying to remind you that the bus from outside the church goes all the way to Canning Town. <laughs> that afternoon I got an email from a vicar saying, I'm about to retire from a church in Canning Town and I've got two buildings and one of them has a congregation of three. If you were interested in doing something with this building, then email the bishop because I'm just about to retire and I'm going. This is the last email I send. Watch the buses. The bus goes to Canning Town. Then an email from this vicar saying, I've got a church, congregation of three. It's going to close if you're interested in it. You know, so it felt like I had to connect these three things up. And it was God saying, let your friends go and start a new campfire down the road. So that's what they've done. They've gone off and started a new campfire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really all the church is is campfires isn't it mm. it's a place to come and get warm together in community around the spirit as we're attentive to who he is and then we send others to start more campfires like my vision for church is many neighborhood campfires all over east london mm. people don't drive to church they walk to church mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so in, our, in my church we only have three cars okay everybody walks to church yeah yeah and, uh, that's exciting for me if, if people are living so closely to the community of jesus that they're a part of that when they're walking to church they're bumping into their neighborhood they're not driving in bubbles yeah but they're hearing the sirens the police cars you know they, they're walking between their home and their church community and they see life because they're walking that that's for me what a jesus community should look mm. like so so many members of my church don't make it to church on a sunday because they've been church on the way because they've bumped into somebody so for example one of my guys <laughs> didn't get to church because he was on the way and saw a, a guy's home had been burgled okay door had been kicked in so he went and fetched his toolkit and he starts he takes the door off and flips it upside down and puts the handle on so he can lock it. And he's working on this guy's door. And he texts me and says, so sorry, Chris, I didn't make it to church this morning because I was repairing a guy's front door. And I said, yes, you did. You <laughs> the church this morning. And my text to him was, why didn't you? Like, you should have let us know. Some of us would have come and joined you at being church. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Mm. You know, and I, I love that because people walk, they meet this guy who's 92 years old and they said to him, where are you going? And he said, home for lunch. And they said, well, we've got lunch after the service at the church. Why don't you come with us to church? Because we're going to have dinner together. He's now my oldest convert, mm. 93 years old now, because somebody met him on the way looking like he was lonely. Mm. come with us and we had lunch so i love that the godly interruption on the way to the service mm. <laughs> where people don't make it to church because they're being church yeah that's good well there you have it you can learn more about chris on a website he's recently been working on it's we are making disciples.com so we are makingdisciples.com. Actually, there's a video interview he did with me on that site. And we can post a YouTube link on our website under this podcast. Hey, have a great week.